You are listening to Inspired Caring with Michelle Magner, episode number 108. Hello, welcome to Inspired Caring. I'm your host, Michelle Magner. If you are caring for an older family member, this is the podcast for you. Each week, I bring insight, tips, inspiration, and strategies to help you care for the people that you love without losing yourself along the way. Having cared for both of my grandmothers, I've helped manage everything from hospital stays, households full of belongings, to navigating senior living and end-of-life care. And I've worked in senior living as a result of that experience, serving my residents and their families as they've been on this journey too. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Inspired Caring. Well, welcome back to the podcast, Mom. Well, thanks for having me, Michelle. Yeah. I hope this is as interesting to your audience as it is to us. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We can talk for hours about this stuff. We had a previous episode, I think it was episode 106 on next level aging. And that was part one, where we talked about some of the new observations, maybe challenges with advancing in years. And so today we're going to talk about part two, which are the things that you have done over time to really set yourself up for success that you feel like have influenced in a positive way, how you are aging so well. And I love that you put in parentheses stuff. I'm glad I did, which could have been yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Invite people to think about, don't get too hung up on timelines or feel like, well, good for her that she was able to do that 40 years ago. Yeah. And some of this stuff is going to feel like that. Trust me. A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially the, the first one that I put down here. Right. Yes. And, and really cellularly, your cells are turning over every single day. That's something I had learned in my nutrition class. So on a cellular level, you, as you are sitting or standing there today, are you're different than you were a week ago because your cells are turning over. So it, there really is no better time like the present. That is something I really would like to emphasize um, that basically what I'm talking about is stuff that happened in my life and sort of the timelines on when it happened. Mm -hmm. However, I'm a great believer in that you have a future until the moment your, your body, you know, and your spirit are separated. Right. You have a future. It could be a short future or it can be a long future. And what I saw with your two grandmothers was that that future dragged out after much after they were my age. Well, yeah, certainly they yeah. both lived to their mid 90s. So we really don't know. Don't make an assumption that you're not going to live that long anyway. So it doesn't matter because we really don't know how long we're going to live. 
So any and, little thing yes. that you can bring attention to and you're willing to consider as a way to set yourself up for success for the future, there's value. And, and, and uh, yes, and what, yes, that's exactly right. And you're, future starts now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like a, a college slogan or something. <laughs> yeah. It belongs on a t-shirt or something. Right. So. College and, shirt. Yeah. So, and so I've alluded a little bit to one of the first things that I didn't even think about until I think two nights ago or, or last night or something was that I stopped smoking when I was 24 years old. Okay. What what year was that for frame of reference? Because there was a period of time when doctors were, were recommending yes. smoking. So what year was it? Yeah, they there was uh, 1969. Okay. 1969. And I was in my last year of law school. And actually your father and I decided that we were going to stop smoking. And he actually quit a couple of weeks before I did, believe okay. it or not. And up until then, I mean, we were at least a pack a day. And I, when I was traveling, I loved trying out cigarettes in different countries. It was like really something that I loved. And I felt like I'm a little bit shy in many ways. And I going to parties, having a cigarette and a drink Mm. was very it made me feel like it didn't matter if I, if anybody was talking to me or not in a right. way or, or I didn't have to feel like I didn't belong or anything like that so giving it up was really like saying goodbye to a friend that I had had in high school right and, uh, all through college and the parties and things that we had but at a certain point, it was my father, Dean Ferris, a scientist, mm -hmm. yep. who I didn't even know knew I smoked. Um, he was talking to me about the fact that they had discovered that smoking affected the fetuses okay. when they were in utero, if the mother smoked. Okay. And now we know that extends to secondhand smoke too. But at the time, and he said that they had just figured this out really. And after he said that, I thought, you know, we didn't have children. And I thought I better stop now because I think I can stop now. Okay. I think I'm got, I've got the strength and whatever strength of character or whatever it takes to stop something as addictive as cigarettes are um and it, so it was my last semester of, or it was my last year of law school and I was it was and we stopped going to parties we stopped going to picnics we stopped getting together with people um to reinforce that we uh, we were quitting right and I made it through my first set of exams without smoking. Now, there was plenty of secondhand smoke, don't get me wrong, because all of my colleagues at law school pretty much were smoking. Right. So, but I did make it through. I made it through the first set of exams. And for the next 10 years, I would wake up in the morning and say, did I smoke 
yesterday. And then I would remember that it was couldn't I couldn't have because it was in a dream. And in the dream, I was in a house that didn't exist. Oh my gosh. And so, but for 10 years, I had very vivid dreams about smoking. That's and crazy. I know this is one of this is, but I'm telling you, this is one, of, this is a major thing. If, right. if you can do, and I watched your oh, grandma masters on air. She had, I don't know if she had COPD or what she her, did. she had COPD. So I looked at her and I thought, well, she had to quit smoking anyway. So why didn't she quit smoking a hundred years ago? Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, we didn't know back in her day, but you know, basically if she had quit when she was in her fifties, let's say, which would have been about the time I quit, mm -hmm. um, she probably wouldn't have needed to be on oxygen and right. have all the stuff going on. And and she had to stop anyway. All right. those people, you're gonna have to stop at some point. Like if you end up on oxygen, it's not well, advised to smoke around oxygen. I, a friend of mine, her aunt was on oxygen. She stepped out of the hospital room and she kind of burned her face because the oxygen mask kind of exploded. You know, oh when she, yeah, I mean, it's just like, if you're going to have to quit anyway, do yourself a favor. Even if you're 78 years old, quit yeah. now. Because yes. then you might get 20 years in of not smoking, if you can do it. And there are right. a lot more techniques now than there were back then. Right. Um, but that was one of the very first things that I, I had forgotten Every time I go in, though, to have any kind of medical exam or any kind of medical procedure, have you ever smoked? Mm. And uh, honestly, they said, well, when did, you, how old were you when you stopped? How many years ago? No, they asked me how many years ago it stopped when I had my cataract surgery. And I'm like, I didn't know there was going to be math <laughs> involved. I'll tell you my age, you do the math. You do the math. You're the nurse. You know, yeah. I'm like, honestly. Um, and, you know, you can round the numbers up or down or something to make it easier for you. But anyway, they still ask um, in, as, as an incidental to some kind of a scan I had, mm -hmm. there was a note on the report of uh, a lung, lung damage. And nobody said anything about it because that isn't why they did the scan right but I'm like thinking oh so all those years later and I feel fine my lungs are fine and so on but there is damage there that was probably done by the smoking that I did and had you continued it would have been absolutely I mean yeah. I, I feel like that isn't one of my I mean I try to do breathing exercises even well with your grandmother I said didn't they give you some breathing exercises she's like oh yeah they're in the basket down there somewhere she went and so I'm just I beg of you people you know basically yeah it's worth it 
because right. it makes it even doing the exercises that are required. Um, well, and so, that. I mean, we noted that she lived to her mid nineties. So while she had longevity, that quality of life um, was impacted with the COPD. Yes. Yeah. 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 And okay. I mean, and, and yeah, well, for sure. I mean, her last years were not comfortable. Right. No, certainly. And she had to quit smoking anyway. And she had to quit smoking anyway. <laughs> it was your lesson, folks. That's right. my, that's, that's my, that is, if you're going to have to stop anyway, you might as well stop now. That's my attitude about a lot of this stuff. I love it. And that's I'm so going to pick it up a little bit out of order is alcohol. Okay. As long as we're on. Now, I loved grandma and granddad masters we I used to go to their house and party like it was the future <laughs> you know or the past or something and that's where I learned to drink gin that's where I learned to drink was yeah. at their house and I loved myself a gin and tonic and uh I st we started experimenting with wine, uh, your father and I, when we when I was in law school. We would buy a bunch of different kinds of wine and try them out and all this kind of stuff. We never got too sophisticated at, at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, time progressed. And I don't know, I think there were a lot of things about interacting after we'd been drinking that were probably not very constructive. But you know, nothing that wasn't, was out of the ordinary for the time and for the people that we were with. Mm -hmm. um, but fast forward, you were just a baby and my non-drinking parents were taking care of you. And your dad and I went to a, some kind of a political um, function. Right. It was a cocktail party. And they kept re bringing me, replacing my gin and tonics. And um, I, I remember the whole evening shockingly vividly, but I drank a lot of gin and tonics. And on the way home that we had to stop the taxi so I could get sick and oh yeah. yeah, and other embarrassing things that happen when you drink too much. And um, that was a block from home. We walked the rest of the way home. I took a left turn out of the entryway to go into the bathroom and clean myself up. Your dad took a right turn to deflect my parents. Like something shiny, something sparkly. Yeah, right. <laughs> nothing to see over here, <laughs> nothing to see back here. And that was the last gin and gin. I that's the last spirits I drank. I wasn't interested in any other kind, but I just I stopped and there again I was 27 mm -hmm. probably. And I was just like I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I was not aware of how much I was drinking. Mm. I'm not doing that. And that was not easy either because we had a party the following weekend out of town and there were some, there was a lot of nice gin there and, you know, I thought, well, you know, but I didn't do it. I stopped. I stopped oh. drinking any kind of 
spirits really and that was but gin and tonic was my drink and I mean, then it, it feels like you had these like little moments of mindful awareness I guess is what we would call it now but you had these little moments of awareness where you kind of woke up that you had to quit and it didn't mean that it was easy but you had more resolve because you had that awareness as opposed yes. to trying to like battle back and forth with your uh, will. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and yeah. I, you know, I was very busy and was working full time and had a small child and, and we did party though. We partied hard. Yeah. <laughs> now, none of the other stuff really took off for me. Uh, you know, so and and then we started getting into wine a little bit. And um, so, but over the years, I would take like a year off mm. from drinking, but I always wanted to go back, you know, but there are certain, over the years, and then at a certain point, when I um, had the problems that sent me to the allergist, she said, stop drinking beer and wine because and stop eating yeast and you know because mm -hmm. this is causing a lot of internal don't eat sugar uh, so there were a lot of big changes that took place medically but I told her I said I don't feel I I'm not I'm not giving up wine at that point and I didn't give up beer either because that was part of my social life but at one point I did stop drinking the beer and this was when I was in my 60s and I was like when I decided to go back and have a beer, I was like, well, this doesn't taste good to me. So mm -hmm. that was, so I stopped drinking beer then. And then uh, fast forward, um, I got to be quite the expert on wine. And my, and I really, people would talk to me about wine and we all had a good conversation. We had some beautiful wines. And if you had told me that I was going to stop drinking wine, you know this. Mm -hmm. I said, if it isn't a burgundy in that IV bag, IV bag, <laughs> just unhook me and let me go. I mean, I thought I would be drinking the best burgundy on earth on, on my deathbed. I really yeah. did. I never dreamed that I would stop drinking. And but now that I know so much more about it, and then what happened was I this wasn't that long ago, and is that it just stopped smelling good to me, it stopped tasting good to me. I started getting headaches. Um, I didn't feel very good after I'd even had a couple of glasses. And so it was over a period of time that I couldn't believe it. I was like hanging on for dear life. <laughs> mm. I am happy at this point that I don't want it and I don't drink it Yeah, um, because of the things that it was doing to me and how different I am, you know, when you have such clarity about what's going on around you. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like, and you know, this from your own experience, we had friends that we used to go to dinner with all the time and we had this little time period where we weren't drinking <laughs> we said you know what I wonder if those are people we want to be friends with because unless we're drinking they're kind of hard to be around yeah yeah what an observation wow you know hey. I mean, that was just like so 
And since then, I mean, my bedtime hours have become very regular and I feel much better, much better. And there's never, I, I got a, um, a kit to test, you know, the alcohol uh, oh, sobriety kit. Breathalyzer? Breathalyzer, yes. I got one of those. And I was blown into that thing some mornings and saying, oh my God, I can't even drive. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. You know, because the wine was so good the night before. I didn't feel yeah. bad, but you know, really since then I felt much better. And that is something I might, if I, if I, if I were listening to this earlier, I mm -hmm. might have stopped earlier. If I was listening to myself talk now, right. When I was younger, I might've said, you know what, probably not worth it. You know, you touched on sleep, and I think that is something that people really struggle with, especially in our country, um, and especially as family care partners, is getting a good night's sleep. And the difference yeah. it, I feel it has made for me, and it sounds like for you too, is pretty significant, like regulated. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I must say, I mean, I don't sleep through the night the way I would like to or the way I think I did when I was working mm. um but you know I'm still working on that but definitely you know passing out is not sleeping folks that is it okay oh, <laughs> oh. Okay. let's just take a pause on that passing yeah. out is not sleeping not sleeping Oh my gosh. So, yeah. So that's, okay. it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. So never mind that. Okay. Let's, let's talk about going. money. <laughs> money. So I, I was, I became a lawyer, so I had jobs and I made, and I became, I got to make decent money. And then I got to make more than decent money. Um, and I, you know, but, and also though I was in a relationship where we weren't on the same page about money. And so there was debt and there was a lot of confusion and uh, disagreement about money, where it could come from and how it should be spent and so on. And when I got out of that relationship, I was like, really broken in debt and um I'm just like I don't want to live like this hmm. so I would have been it's like I'm, I'm trying to do the math it's hard <laughs> but let's say 19 let's go with it was 1981 I know what year it was so I would have Great. been you know uh in, I was nine, my, if that's easier math. Well, <laughs> not for me, but <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was good. I, you know, I I was uh, 1981, and and so I started working on. I had my own business, and it was it was all right. Um, uh, I was in venture capital. Uh, but I was the person helping create the companies and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, it was like I had a couple of employees. And so it was like still I had no partner. 
So it was just me. And um, it was okay. I did okay, but I was like the the credit cards were always there and stuff like that was going on. Mm-hmm. And there was one moment where I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to meet tomorrow's payroll. Mm-hmm. And that didn't just affect me. It affected the people who were working for me. And uh, I remember that night vividly. I was just like, I want money in the bank. I yes. want it in the bank. And um, it took me a couple of years and a couple of the companies that I had worked with came through. And I managed to get completely out of debt, but then I had a hard time, you know, really staying out of debt. And I was seeing a, a therapist and I said, what is going on here? I got myself out of debt. It was a big goal of mine. And now look at me, I'm just like, I'm living the high life or whatever. And I'm not doing what I need to do. And he said, well, it's like being tied to a pole. You know, you want to get free from that pole. And then somebody cuts you free and you can't stand up because you have not been standing up all that time. Wow! So all the stand up muscles are gone. So you have to kind of work on getting your stand-up muscles back in shape. So the pole was a support as well as a restraint. And so with that good advice, you know, I managed to get out of debt. I went and lived in Paris for a couple of years. But there again, I said, when, I, when my bank account hits this level, I'm going home. And it hit that level. I went home, I had no debt, and I have never been in debt since then. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's a huge, significant impact for impact. Yeah. Yeah. And then I realized that I had two daughters to help get through university. And so I thought, you know, I'm tired of being responsible for my own health care, my own whatever, everything. Right. Um, I'm going to go take a job with somebody who will do all of that and pay me money. And so I ended up going back into the workforce and I'd already wrapped up the business before I went to Paris because we had done some significant things. And then it's like, there's a natural ending to some things and it had reached a natural ending. Yeah. And so um, I took jobs and I put everything that the law allowed into the retirement plans that they had, you know, the 401ks mm-hmm. that they had, and especially up to where they would match. And if I got to a point where I needed the money, I would cut back, but only to the point where I never stopped only to the point where they were matching because that's a hundred percent return on your investment. So this is interesting because we've, we've, we're kind of coming at this from two angles. One is if you are someone who is over 65 and then the other is of course, those people who are 35 to 65 who are maybe in that care partnering role and really taking advantage of those employer match Absolutely. Anything you can, anything you can take advantage of. 
And I lived below my means because I was a little bit behind because I was already in my 40s at that point. And you were just starting saving. I was just starting saving. Yeah. So, you know, I said, I got, I got to get busy here because I, I I mean, when you're in your forties, you, you, you know, you have a lot of time left. I mean, Mm -hmm. only an an event would cut you your life short. Right. See, that's the difference between where I am now and where I was then is that then you said, if everything happens normally, and I don't get sick or hit by a bus, mm-hmm. I'm going to be responsible for my children <clears throat> and myself. And I've got, there's nobody else. There's nobody behind me. There's no inheritance coming. There is nothing that I don't provide for myself. Right. And so, and one of the things since then on the reading I've done is they said, that wealthy people are often wealthy just by working a regular job, living a reasonable life. But on top of that, though, and this you know, I treated myself. Mm -hmm. Every time I got an unexpected, like a bonus, or every year I got a bonus in the jobs that I came to inhabit, Mm-hmm. And, uh, but a lot of people don't, but anyway, uh, there, there are little pieces that come into all of us and I would break off a little bit of that to treat myself. Yeah. Which brings me to re-piercing my ears. Oh, <laughs> setting you up for success in your later years by re-piercing piercing your ears. I, my, okay. So when I was 16 years old, um, my uh, I had wanted to get my ears pierced. And it was like not exactly the thing that people in my socioeconomic group did. Mm. The parents certainly didn't do it. Um, but I was like, I, I want my ears pierced. And my mother surprisingly agreed. Grandma Ferris said, yes, because your earlobes are so small that you won't be able to put earrings on, clip on earrings on them. Oh gosh, so practical. So I can understand that, you know, so she took me off to a doctor and he did the best he could and whatever. And we didn't know you were supposed to bring earrings with you. And there was a lot of other stuff. So the holes were kind of a little bit wonky and I was wearing loop earrings a lot of the times and heavier earrings sometimes. And I actually just stopped wearing earrings for at a certain point when I got a little bit older, um, but they were off center and one of them was a little bit stretched out. They were a little stretched out and they just weren't very nice. Well, I got a bonus. And I said to myself, I want diamond earrings. Mm -hmm. These very earrings, in fact. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't want to put them in these earlobes. So I was talking with my dermatologist, whom I saw every six months to have important things done. 
And I said, I really want to get my ears repierced. And she said, oh, I do that all the time. So ladies and gentlemen, whatever foolishness you got up to in your youth, when you get a little older, sometimes you don't want that. You want it differently. You want it neater. You want it gone even. And let's say you have four or five piercings. And you really want to get it down to one or something like that. You go into a dermatologist. And if you only have the two piercings, it's not even that expensive, honestly. And mm -hmm. it's just, and what they do, I won't go into gory details, but they, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they actually uh, repair that. So that sew it, it heals, sew it up. And I'm not going to go into details, because the, you don't feel a thing. Okay. They sew it up. They put a little bandage on it. And they say, we'll see you in six weeks. And that heals. And there might be a small scar. It depends on what your situation was. Yeah. Um, but um, usually not that noticeable. So six weeks later, I went in. She had her little machine, which they didn't have back in my day. And she put this, she said, I'm going to give you a diamond earring, <laughs> earrings for your ears when I pierce them. So they're like high grade, you know, like it's a little chip of a diamond. Um, and yeah. um, I think it was gold um, that this, that, that the, what she said, I'm going to give you gold and diamond earrings. And so then she just did the little thing like everybody does when they go to the mall because oh. they're, you know, in the doctor's office. Right. And then you just do the things that you were supposed to do when you're a teenager and you get new, new, new earlobes. It's like this, this is so important for yeah. when you get old because you don't want those saggy old holes. <laughs> honestly you don't well and I think what I'm also <laughs> taking out of this if there's something that you feel dissatisfied with about your body it's okay to make that investment in yourself now absolutely we're going to keep taking ourselves with us into these later advanced years and you want to feel and look your best and just yes. feel as confident as possible. So if there's something that you're feeling like um, you're interested in having done, like re-piercing your ears, explore it. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, even this, this was something I was very happy that I did uh, was that I, one of my friends had her um, little spider veins. Mm-hmm. They'll get rid of those for you. Now they do come back. That's all I'm saying. But for for many years, you know, I did it a couple of times actually, and I loved the results. I mean, I was very happy. Now that stuff does come back, so it's not permanent. But it's something I'm happy I did. Right, and just yeah. get informed about it. So, what about your teeth? Yes, my teeth. So one of the things is I look a lot like my father. I think we can all agree on that. 
Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things about as my father, my father was a very handsome man. Very good. And looking. looked very, yeah, he looked like a movie star. Yes. Honestly, you, you thought you were living with Indiana Jones when you were growing up with my dad. Yeah. Uh, as he got older, um, his that. teeth got a little bit wonky you know uh -huh. not horribly but they just look like old teeth to me quite honestly yes. and the bottom ones were not straight and you know and so on here I have a picture there we go yes I don't know if I can get the camera to focus on it but yes yeah so it's hard to see. yeah here we are not that far apart genetically very close yeah yeah, and you, it's hard to see his teeth, but yes. he had old teeth. And I decided at the, I said, I'm going to get through the pictures of my 60th birthday. Then I'm going to go in and have those teeth. I've always had trouble with my teeth anyway. And I was having trouble keeping some of the bottom ones. I would bleed every time I flossed. Mm which is not a good sign. And I had talked to a dentist about it and they said, yeah, you, you know, you should probably do, there are a couple of alternatives. Some people go for veneers and this kind of thing to get that straightened out. Um, but I thought, I don't want to do veneers. Uh, that seemed like something that would be for me, a complication in the future. Yeah. So I decided I'm going to do the braces. So I talked to my dentist about it and he referred me to a very like a Park Avenue orthodontist <laughs> and uh, we worked out, a, I worked out a payments thing where I could use this, uh, the, this uh, basically medical fund that they provide your employer. Well, you, you target a certain amount of money in there. You have to spend it all. Like an HSA uh, or. Yeah. And I've written the name of it in here someplace, but anyway. Yeah. Um, and I, um, so I started the two year process and I made a decision to go with the old fashioned uh, brackets and wires and, and so on. Other people have done Invisalign, which is now I think even more better developed now than it was mm -hmm. back then uh, but I made the decision to just go go like a teenager yeah um, so and, in your sixties, uh, you had braces yeah for a couple of years yeah. and I have pictures of that which I might put when I post this thing I might put pictures of me in my braces and uh, it was interesting because I believe that that influenced several other people in senior positions in the company where I work to also get braces mm -hmm. because the chief financial officer, not too long after I got mine, he got braces. Mm -hmm. So, and they reason, this isn't just vanity. This is because if your teeth are crooked or something, if you can't floss properly, chances are you're going to get a gum disease. You're going to lose those teeth at some point. There's going to be issues. Right. So there are medical reasons for doing this. Um, and my teeth were perfect when I was younger. So it was just, 
the aging process itself mm -hmm. that caused me to say, I don't, I want to, I want to, when I see pictures of myself, I want to look like the way I want to look. Right. Yeah. yeah. So there's the aesthetic reason and we really do want to keep our teeth as long as possible. Yes. And you know, having a partial bridge or an implant or a denture. I mean, there's so much technology now that's so far advanced, but you really do want to try and keep your own teeth for as long as possible. So that is, that was such a great. Yes, it was a great. And, and just to, it, for, for perspective, I did this at 60. Yes. Yeah. Where you're thinking of things I did in the past that I appreciate now that I'm older. Right. <laughs> That wasn't even that long ago. And yet it's it makes a big difference on my aging process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What about diet and exercise? Yes. Well, the interesting thing was that I've never been a particularly big person, overweight person. And so I never thought too much about it. Uh, if I wanted to lose weight, I would count up to a certain amount of calories. And then that's what I ate. And maybe I ate healthy and maybe I didn't. But I just did it like that. Yes. And then when I went through menopause, um, you know, people kept saying, I don't, you know, you could eat anything, they said to me. And I thought, what the heck, let's give it a try. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and um, so and I started and I went through menopause at 40. So let's keep that in mind, too. Okay. Most people don't have that challenge on top of everything else. Uh, most women, that's that's early. But let me just say that it's early. It's not unknown, but it's early. Mm -hmm. Um and so I kind of started gaining a little weight. And it is very funny when you hear about people, I was listening to this podcast and when the, the interview person, the person who was doing the interviewing said, um, well, you know, it's the, the, the expert on habits said, why, why do you want to lose weight? And it's like, well, I, I just hate it when my pants are tight. And she said, well, if that's it, just buy new pants. Yeah. So <laughs> let's get down to what's really going on. Right. You know, cause honestly, if you're okay with, and he said, well, no, I don't like the way my face looks. I don't like the way I feel on my body and this kind of thing, but I chose getting bigger pants. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yeah. And I was just like, ah, what the heck? So, you know, I put, I gave away all of my thin person clothes and bought a bunch of clothes. And then you gave me a call and said, mom, I've gained some weight my freshman year. I'm not happy about it. Um, what can we do while I'm living with you over the summer? I'm like, well, you know, maybe we should learn about eating. Let's go to Weight Watchers. And we, I thought we had the best time. We did. Yeah, it was so you know, good. We, yeah, we would go to a meeting and um, 
get and the, at first they would give you a men, menu for three weeks back in those days they gave you a menu we would go to the meeting we would go out and have a little dinner that kind of fit in with the Weight Watcher plan and then we would go shopping for a, a few days you know maybe even the whole week we would figure out what we were going to have and and it was a lot of fun we had a good time mm-hmm. and we learned a lot about food. I learned about classifying things, not by the number of calories, but by what it did for your body. Right. You know, what, what the nutritional value was. Now this program has changed in so many ways. And I, uh, so you went off and I feel like you learned a lot from that. I did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. About eating and setting up a, a, a food plan. I learned a lot and, um, and became a lifetime member. And so the main thing about this is that my family does most of my female relatives had suffered from really what's got to be morbid obesity it's like conditions that were the result of obesity, congestive heart failure, yes, and some yeah. other things. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that this wouldn't have happened to them anyway. I mean, there's a lot, but I am saying that it did complicate their health picture. Yes. And also they weren't comfortable. Right. And it made them, made it hot. I mean, it just like, I mean, maybe they were satisfied. I don't know. I knew that I had the technology to eat properly. Right. The information and the reason. The information and also the information on how to stay within a certain range right. of weight. And, um, you know, I still go to now with the with the remote meetings and, and so on. They have a remote meetings on zoom for lifetime members which is i just i do enjoy the meetings because you get mm-hmm. to talk about food for one thing right yeah camaraderie <laughs> and common yeah interest. yeah exactly and it's a part of my social life in many respects because i want i'd like to draw um people's attention to this also this concept of um when you think about the people who are caregivers in a senior living setting or potentially a home health setting, specifically in senior living, I'm thinking many of the people that are the CNAs that are actually helping people get back, get up out of bed are in their early 20s. They're these little young ladies. <laughs> yes. And so if you weigh a certain amount, you are then classified as a two-person assist. And so that has really stuck with me as I continue my own aging journey. And I think about what I want things, how I want things to go and look like is if you are two person assist, because one person is unable to physically assist you from getting up out of bed, transferring to a chair or a wheelchair to take you to the restroom, it takes longer for two people to get to the room. Um, Potentially there's going to be equipment involved, like um, lifts and things. And, um, so just to have that in mind, like to set yourself up 
successfully as you are continuing your aging aging journey yes any kind of medical incident even in the hospitals and and it requires equipment or more than one person to assist you that is just something to be aware of and take into consideration so that actually leads into another topic and that's exercise and the reason i'm going to make that liaison is because i as you know i work with a trainer And one of the things that we do every time there's a training session is I get down on the ground and do some exercises on the ground. Um, Then I get up from the ground. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, she often has me just walk up. But the other thing is when I put one knee up and the other leg laying flat and then push up, just push up and get up. And sometimes I, you know, I use my hand on the ground. Sometimes I just push on my knee. I notice that there are certain toilets in the city that I need to be able to push up and get up unassisted. Um, And she was saying that I am one of the few in, I mean, she's going 10 years younger, 10 years older, she's like, you're one of the few I have who can get up off the ground. Man, that's, yeah. that's big. And and like, just to reiterate, because I don't think we've shared your age on oh. this episode, you're almost yeah. 80. You are- Yes, I'm two years short of 80 right. and 78. And so that is, and she- said to me this morning and she said because she thought I I have makeup on now but I didn't at that point you're talking about your trainer my trainer yes okay we're on zoom and um I said well I have to go get ready because I have an interview and um so she said well like what do you have to do to get ready and I said well I have to put makeup on and she's like you you don't have makeup on? (laughs) And I said, no, I haven't put the makeup on yet. And she said, well, you surely you have lipstick on. And I'm like, no, I actually don't. I don't know how this happened. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I did. And now I do have makeup on now, but um, at that moment, she's like, she said, I just, if I can, if I, if I, I'm doing if I'm doing what you're doing in 10 years I would be so happy yeah right well you hear all the little things that's what we've been talking about today these are all little things that really set you up for success yes and so that was that's definitely and I know it's like it's I know I know people are going to say well it was easy for you or whatever uh I, I, I'm on a, a conference call once a week with other people who look like me, who are saying, I was so tempted. I did this. I did that. I had a bad day. I had a bad week. Uh, I went on vacation and, you know, somehow, and you, there's this group and I, I'm, don't I don't know you have to find your own group or whatever but um 
I'm just saying it's not easy for anybody to maintain You're paying attention. Yes. And I mean, it's just like in that pro program, it's called the ma maintenance. And you go through like a six week period before you become a lifetime member when you reach a goal weight. And, you know, it's learning to eat what you need to sustain you health in a healthy way. Have your treats. Again, it's like with the money. Yes, sometimes you're going to splurge on a pair of diamond earrings. Right. But if it jeopardizes your health, then you need to really sit down and think about it. And that's one of the things. I am extremely happy that we did that, that yeah. we, and you, you are on your own and you still manage to figure out how to maintain your weight and Sure, you don't and need I my own ups and downs and yes force and but it's really just not giving up on yourself for the idea that your health can be improved with any little change you make yes. and that the impact that it that can have on the future is meaningful and significant yes and if, and yeah. and as you know um the most recent sister my last remaining sister passed away at the age of 81 and she was so obese that it took three members of the family to just situate her in the bed to her. give her care yeah. Yeah. yeah and um you know that had quite an impact on me yeah so well we're, we need to wrap up, but I want to hear a little bit more about the things that you're doing now, like high heels and yes, dresses yeah. and shirts, just things that little changes that you're making right now at 78 to set yourself up for success. When I was 77, uh, well, when it was before that, it was actually at Allison's wedding, my stepdaughter's wedding. Mm -hmm where I was wearing a, a skirt and I had makeup on my legs um, and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I'm not doing this again. Hmm. So I had two more weddings, but one just took place a year ago where I said, I'm going to get myself some fancy, you know, I don't like long dresses. They're really not for me but pants that are kind of glamorous looking, you know, just, I want to look glamorous, but I, I'm not, gonna, I'm not doing that anymore. I just don't want my legs sticking out there. They just don't, you know, I have great legs, but I just didn't like the way they looked with yeah. skirts and dresses. So I said, that's it. I'm not going to do dresses anymore. Um, so that was, and then, um, uh, Last year, when I was 77, I put on my Manolo Blahniks that I'd worn to all the weddings and a few mm -hmm. other things, and they fit perfectly, and they were nice shoes and everything, but at the end of the wedding part in the pictures, I swapped them out for flats to wear to the reception mm -hmm. in my little pants suit, whatever. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, a, anyway... And I thought, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. I am not doing that again. And 
and I've just been been buying flats and trying to get the right ones with the right arch support and all that and gave away my heels. So all of them. Really just yeah. wanting women, anyone who's listening, but really especially women to feel empowered that you can change up your style. Um, you can Absolutely. change it. Whatever, if it's not working for you anymore, it's okay to say, I'm not doing it anymore. My more. friend April next door, she went to the dentist and the hygienist um, was going through the process of cleaning the teeth, the exam and everything. And then she um, was tried to floss her teeth. You know how those hygienists do that? Yes. And yeah. April said, it hit me. I am a grown ass woman. And I told her, <laughs> no. <laughs> I will floss my own teeth own teeth no yeah. thank you don't do that so anyway don't don't come at me if you're a hygienist or a, a dentist well, here's here is the deal I mean she, she, the key word is I don't want you to do it right I floss my teeth even under that little wire because they I have a wire I wear yes. retainers yeah. at night I do all of that kind of stuff I wipe my teeth sometimes. And if you just put on dark lipstick, your teeth look really white. We're going to talk about the fun stuff too in the next yeah. episode. I think part three. Oh, okay. That's a whole other episode. We're going to talk about some anyway, of the fun stuff. Anyway, I am going to be posting. I'm going to have a little bit of cleanup here, but I will be posting yes. my observations and notes uh, on the this part of the what changes can you make in your life that will make it uh, basically stuff happens it does yeah uh but to set yourself up you can you can set yourself up in a way that it doesn't imp that things impact you differently and maybe are less disabling uh than they might otherwise be well, that's so powerful and I love that we are having these conversations and sharing them with the world so other people can be set up for success too. I hope so. We hope so. All I'm right. Not here to, I'm not here to trash anybody, but yeah. it, it, there are things that you can do no matter what your condition is. Yeah. And if you and have like, a, a nudge or an inkling about something, follow it, follow the nudge yes. for you, whatever that individual thing is for you. Um, I think we just get very stuck around drink your water, eat healthy, uh, move your body, but not really digging in to how you do that. And I think that yeah. you did a great job of um, sharing ways that people can actually practically put that into practice. So thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Yeah.